With Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our online banking and mobile app are like having a branch at your fingertips. Insured by NCUA and with everything you need to use and manage your accounts 24-7. Hi, I'm Tom Obergfell of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to enjoy better banking where and when you want. Features include bill pay, money transfer, budgeting, early payday program, and much more. Check us out today at NotreDameFCU.com to learn more. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. A special thanks goes out to our friends at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting the show. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop. Thanks for being here again. You're welcome, Kyle. Good to be here. Good, good always to, to have you enlighten us, give us some of your wisdom. And I know we did an episode not too long ago with talking about the graduates. Specifically, we were talking about theology graduates, but I think a lot of that you know applies to all of us about how to evangelize and yeah. the importance of it. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting. In May, I'm I'm still doing confirmations, but I also have a lot of graduations, baccalaureate masses, our mm-hmm. colleges, our high schools, and, and of course, ordinations have started. And so it's quite a joyful time. I really enjoyed celebrating the four baccalaureate masses for our, our Catholic high schools, beginning with Bishop Dwenger High School and then Marion and then Bishop Lors and then St. Joseph's. And, and I really have the same message in my homilies to all of them. Basically, I don't have time to write a separate homily for every sure. year. <laughs> There's a but, lot of overlap. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's interesting because I kind of recognize a lot of the young people because I've seen them grow up and confirmed most of them when they were in eighth grade. Uh-huh. And then seeing them in high school, some of them especially who are active in youth ministry in the high schools or in their parishes. So it's always pretty touching for me to see how they've grown. So this year I um, chose two readings for the baccalaureate masses. The The first reading was from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, where he talks about preaching Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. So I wanted to really talk, give them the message of the cross because following Christ as they go forth means, you know, carrying the cross, embracing his cross with love. And then I chose as the uh, gospel, the passage from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. So I, I hope it was a good message. I think it was a positive message, but a challenging one for the graduates. Yeah. Well, maybe, can we get a little sample of that with, uh, starting with sure. Corinthians? Yeah. Well, even before I I did that, I I did thank the parents. And this is connected because, you know, all the parents are there at the Mm -hmm. baccalaureate masses. So I wanted to thank them. And I I invited the parents to think back to their son's or daughter's baptism. And it was interesting afterwards, a lot uh, parents would come up to me and say, Bishop, I, I hadn't really been thinking, you know. So they, I think that was kind of neat to think back to their child's baptism, and now here they're graduating from high school. Hmm. And the reason I did, I said I said to them, I hope you remember, uh, maybe you remember, when the priest or the deacon presented you with a candle that was lit from the Paschal candle, and that's right after the child's baptized, and the candle's presented to the parents and the godparents. And I said, the priest or deacon said, this light is entrusted to you, to be kept burning brightly so that your child 
enlightened by Christ, may walk always as a child of the light. Mm. I said, so then I thanked them for passing on the light of Christ to their children, for raising them in the faith, for showing them that faith isn't just a way of thinking or an idea, but it's really a way of, of acting. It's a manner of living. And I said to the parents, you were the first to teach them to pray. I mean, that's so beautiful. I, I even see it with my own family, you know, my nieces and nephews and their parents teaching them to pray. How beautiful that is. And the parents, you know, introduce their children into the life of the church. So I said, really, the first school for the children is the family. Mm-hmm. And their family was their first and most important school. I said that to the graduates because it's a school of faith and it's a school of love. And I thank the parents for sending them to a Catholic school because, because they wanted their children to be educated within the church so that they would grow in faith and love what began in the home. So with that introduction, I turned to the graduates. I said, now it's up to you as you go forth from high school to choose to walk on this path upon which their parents and their Catholic school guided them, basically the path of faith, Mm -hmm. which is the path to holiness. And I, I said to them, Jesus invites you to follow on this path, to follow him. And that's the way of the cross. Because Jesus said, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Then I got to the reading. He said, this may seem foolish in the eyes of the world. That's basically what St. Paul was saying to the Corinthians. You know, St. Paul wrote in the reading, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Mm. It's... It was so counter, think about this, was so counter to both Jewish and Gentile thinking that one should follow the path of a man condemned as a criminal Hmm. and subjected to the most painful and shameful death. So that's why St. Paul told the Corinthians that his proclamation of Christ crucified was a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness Hmm. to Gentiles. Now, how did I connect this to our graduates? I said, you know, sometimes the cross can frighten us because it seems to be a denial of life, you know, having to do these sacrifices. But the opposite is true. The cross is the supreme expression of God's love and the source from which eternal life flows. So the cross is the wisdom of God. That's what St. Paul teaches. It's only love It's only love that can free the world from evil. Mm. The cross shows us the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love for us. It shows us that each one of us is loved personally by Jesus with a passionate and faithful love, basically a love without limits, a love that even conquers death. Really, my point was to explain to the graduates that they can choose to follow the Lord on that path of love. And obviously I hope 
they do, mm-hmm. pray they do, that they see themselves invited by Christ, by his love, not to live for themselves, but to live for him and with him for others, to live for others. And so what encourages us to do this? Well, the fact is Jesus's love didn't end with his crucifixion. It culminated in the joy of his resurrection. So evil doesn't have the last word. Truth and love have the last word. They triumph. Mm. So the cross, which for many is a scandal or foolishness, is in fact, as St. Paul wrote, the power and wisdom of God. As a matter of fact, St. Paul said this, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, I wanted to make it very concrete for the graduates, so I, I told them, or I suggested to them, that wherever they go, if they go to college, if they go to the work world, if they go into the military, wherever, mm-hmm. I encourage them to hang a crucifix in their room. Mm. And I, I said to them, you know, to look at it each day, to say a prayer, to look at that face of Christ crucified. It's the face of God. The God who triumphs on the cross, who doesn't conquer with violence, but with love. It's the face that brings reconciliation and light to this world. So I said to the graduates, when you look at the crucifix, look at the outstretched arms of Jesus and see them as embracing embracing themselves and drawing them to himself, enfolding them in his loving hands to entrust themselves to him and strive to live in that love and to bring that love to others in their daily life. I mean, this is, this is obviously fundamental to the Christian life and it's the way to true happiness and the way to fulfillment in life. So that's why I felt it was appropriate to talk about this at a graduation, even though they would have learned all of this throughout their schooling. But just to, they learned so much, just to focus on, okay, what's going to give meaning to your life? What's going to give you strength? What's going to give you purpose? Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, especially in the midst of challenges and difficulties and sufferings that, that they're going to encounter, that we all encounter in life, This is what gives us hope. And, you know, they're not going to find full happiness, true happiness in money. I said, you know, even in a career, they're all planning careers, which is great. But there has to be something more, more than worldly success. And I was really trying to address, you know, what are the deepest desires of our hearts? Really, only, only God can satisfy those desires. And then I went on to the gospel. Again, it's from the Sermon on the Mount. And it comes right after Jesus gives us the eight Beatitudes. He says, you are the light of the world. So I got back to what I was talking about at the beginning where I said, okay, your parents passed on the light right. of Christ to you. And then that light was passed on at their school. Hmm. Now I said to them, it's time for you to decide what to do with it. What are you going to do with that light? Will you live in that light and give it to others, pass it on? Mm -hmm. 
Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. Now, that's a pretty incredible statement because think about that crowd that Jesus was talking to on the mount. I mean, this is a poor, obscure region of the world, Galilee, on a hill, ordinary, common, simple people, fishermen, etc. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I mean, what must they have thought? Are you kidding? You know, like, we're not like in the great city of Rome. We're not uh-huh. rich. We're not. And he says, you are the light of the world. Uh, and I said to the graduates, Jesus is saying this to you. So what does it mean? Basically it means to imitate the one who is the light of the world. Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. So then he turns and says, you are the light of the world. What does that mean? It means we imitate and show and live the love and the mercy and the generosity and the goodness of Jesus. That's how we're the light of the world. It means we walk with him the way of the cross. It means we live the Beatitudes or strive to, and we strive to serve Christ's kingdom in this world. That's how we're the light. Now, I said very bluntly to the graduates, you know, the world will be impacted for better or for worse by the way they live their lives. And that's true of all of us. Are we going to have a good impact or a negative impact? And of course, I said, I pray that you will live your lives deeply, not superficially. I said to them, I pray that you'll live intensely and not apathetically Mm -hmm. and live generously, not selfishly. Mm -hmm. I said to them, please don't hide your light under a bushel basket because that's what Jesus said right. not to hide. Yeah. I, and I said, you know, there's a lot of darkness in our, in our world. And in a world with so much darkness, the church needs you, I said to the graduates, the church needs you to share the light of faith that you have received and in the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of faith, hope, and charity in the world. So that was my message. Again, it was pretty basic, but I think it was an important message. I hope that they will take it with them and, I mean, I look out at the young people and many of them I know are actively practicing the faith because I see them in churches, but I know some are not. So I also pray for them that maybe the Holy Spirit will stir something in their hearts because when they go out, as I said, to college or or wherever, you know, they're going to be challenged. And so I always kind of like, pray fervently at these baccalaureate masses that they will stay on the right path, you know, that they won't join that large number of young people who are unaffiliated Mm -hmm. from the faith, but that they will be active, that they will, you know, go to church, go to mass. And with all the formation and education we try to give them, in the end, they're free sure. to choose or not. So I, I hope that they choose. I mean, that was the point, and that's what I was praying for in the baccalaureate mass, that my prayer is that they, they will follow the path of faith, you know, the way of the cross, and, and, um, and live in the light of Christ and pass it on. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously geared towards the graduates. How much are you considering also parents or siblings, aunts and uncles that might be there that— might need this message as much or more than the students. I'm hoping also that God's grace touches them because 
for many of them, for example, when I thank them, the parents for teaching, bringing their children up in the faith that with their families being their first school of faith and love and that they, you know, passed on that light, the light of faith to them. Many did, but I am conscious Mm -hmm. that there probably are some people there who really haven't or haven't maybe tried, but didn't really, or, or may not be practicing. Maybe the faith isn't. So I'm always hoping and praying that uh, maybe they feel, I don't mean I want them to feel guilty necessarily. Yeah, but not, but more than that, much more than that, that it leads them to a, a conversion, to deeper conversion to Christ. So that, because it's never too late. I mean, even if their children are going off, uh, they can still, they still can have an impact on their children's lives if they haven't done such a good job in passing on the faith by, and I don't mean just by their words, but by their example, you know, especially going to church and things like that. And I think we all have room for improvement there. So, you know, like just to, to hear that and be challenged by it, I think hopefully all of us can be open to, you know, what, what that's calling us all to, you know, that's, yeah, because, I mean, actually, no parent's perfect, sure. no family's perfect, <laughs> no priest or bishop is perfect. I mean, we're all on that road. We all fall sometimes. We stumble along the way. We all are, you know, uh, but we we're strive. The important thing is to get up and to strive to, to live our vocation, the vocation of a parent, the vocation of a priest, that we, we can always be more faithful. So slightly off topic here. I believe you've defined yourself as a, an introvert yes. in the past. And I'm always amazed at how many events that you do, these special masses and you're meeting with people afterwards and going to the schools for visits and different parishes and everything like that. Are other bishops doing as much uh, in the public? And, and, and there's so much administrative work, obviously, that you have to do, but you still seem to prioritize being with the people, even though as an introvert, that's, that's exhausting. I'm yeah. Sure. It's draining. Yeah. I was, I was thinking particularly after the baccalaureate mass at Marion, uh-huh. for some reason, I think the greeting and the, and photos was as long as the mass I was exhausted <laughs> and, and it was at night and I had to drive yeah. back to Fort Wayne, but it's kind of one of those good exhaustions, you know, sure. I mean, but I just have to be careful. I don't doze while I'm driving. I'm always very oh, careful. Yeah. I'll pull over and just walk and get some coffee. But, but no, it's, it's so important, I think. I just believe that's central, that I be out and teaching the faith and celebrating the sacraments, especially in important moments of people's lives, like, like graduations or, you know, even the confirmations and other things. I, I do have to admit, you know, my, my desk work, the administrative part does pile up and get delayed, mm-hmm. but thanks, thankfully I have a, a very good staff, but that's what kind of causes a little stress for me is that, you know, it's kind of impossible to keep up with all of the things. It's some people don't understand that and they get, you know, like, Oh, Bishop, why isn't, you know, Bishop wasn't able to come to this. And I'm like, well, do they realize yeah. my calendar so full, but I try, but, but no, it's, it's a joy. It really is a joy. 
but it would be so easy for you. You've got chaplains at each of these high schools. Just tell the chaplain to do that mass. Yeah. It'd be easy and it makes sense. Right. But you have seen this as a priority. And I think it, it's a testament to you and that whole Pope Francis saying that the bishops need to smell like the sheep. Yeah. Like you're in there, you're meeting with people, you're talking to them after the masses. And so I just, I guess, thank you for doing uh, that and, and prioritizing, you're welcome. you know, being with and listening to people, letting them submit questions to the show yeah. and, and responding to them because I think it's, it's important for us to, to be able to hear from you and see you and, and be able to spend some time with you here, even if it's just like a, a few <laughs> minutes here and there. I appreciate that, Kyle. And, you know, one of the things that I think it's really the prayers of the people, mm. all of your prayers, because I think that's what gives me the stamina and the energy that I need. And, and thanks be to God, I'm in good health. So, yeah. But thank you. Well, and thank you for that message. It's not just for the graduates, just like the the last one for the theology graduates. There's a message in there for all of us. So thank you for sharing it with us today. And thank you for taking some time for the show. Could we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's engineered by Josh Skipper at the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, produced by Miriam Schmitz, and edited by Tony Marks for Spoke Street Media. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.